0: of God, the preaching and teaching of the scriptures is the most important part of the church in the house experience. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. And so it's by exposing ourselves to the teaching and the preaching of the word that our faith is built up and is increased. And of course, the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It gives us wisdom and it enables us to make smart choices and wise decisions. And so right now would be a great time to just rid yourself, free yourself from any distractions and just let everyone in the house know I'm focusing in on the Word of God right now. All right, we're going into the Word of the Lord and today is part two of our series entitled The Revelation, God's Strategy for Victory, in which we're exploring and unpacking the book of the Revelation. Revelation. Now, before we go into today's uh, installment, I want you to pray with me. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, in the glorious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, we are so grateful for another opportunity to connect, to share, to learn, and to grow. I want to thank you, Father, for every person that is tuned in to the Church in the House experience right now, and I pray that that your word will become a lamp to their feet and a light to their path, that the entrance of your word will bring light, that your word will come forth with such clarity, precision, and power that it reaches its target in our hearts and initiates the process of transformation, even a paradigm shift. May we never be the same after the hearing of this word. And this we have prayed in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the saints said, amen. This is part two of our series entitled, The Revelation, God's Strategy for Victory. The Revelation, God's Strategy for Victory, in which we are exploring the book of the Revelation, the last book in the canon of Scripture, the last book of the Bible. We are exploring it in order to discover or uncover God's unique strategy for victory. You know, last week, we simply laid a foundation. We created some context. I wanted to make it quite clear that we were not studying Revelation in order to uh, arrive at a strict interpretation, but rather we are studying Revelation uh, and we are looking for its implications and its application to our situation today. And I mean our collective situation in the world right now, a global pandemic, the lockdowns, the economic fallout, the psychological fallout, all of the things that we're seeing, the political fallout, that's our situation today. And the book of Revelation speaks to us. But then there's your situation, what you're dealing with in your personal life, in your house, in your relationships, in your finances, in your spiritual walk. And I believe the book of Revelation speaks to us uh, about personal issues in our individual lives. And so we're going through it looking for implication and application, not for strict interpretation because strict interpretation requires quite an academic uh, mind. It's a scholarly pursuit in which understanding of the original language and the original historic context is mandatory. Well, you know, we're not all intellectuals, but we're all believers and uh, we we are all reaching out uh, to God in this season and looking for hope. And so that's why we're studying Revelation from the perspective of its implications and its application to our situation today. Uh, I'm going to start by reading Revelation 4 verses 1 to 2. Revelation 4 verses 1 to 2. It reads, After these things I saw, and behold, a door opened in heaven. And the first voice that I heard, a voice as of a trumpet speaking with me, one saying, Come up hither, and I will show thee, the things which must come to pass hereafter. Straight away, I was in the spirit and behold, there was a throne set in heaven and one sitting upon the throne. And all the people said, Amen. So this is a powerful reading and this sort of takes off where we left off because last week uh, in the last session, we were looking at the seven churches in Asia uh these historic churches uh in historic places uh to whom john uh was instructed to write uh, letters and uh, we looked at the letters and we looked at john's experience how that john was in prison he was exiled to the isle of patmos which was a uh, notorious prison island and uh, he was imprisoned in patmos and right there in his situation he got a revelation of Jesus. He saw Jesus majestic, triumphant, victorious. And he saw Jesus operating in the midst of an imperfect church, a church that was battered and torn and, and struggling with adversity, both in its own environment as well as, uh, you know, some of its own internal uh, beliefs. There was a lot of struggle going on in the early church but Jesus but John saw Jesus in the midst of them, as the light in the midst of the church. And that's an important key to victory, is how you see Jesus, where you see Jesus, and when you see Jesus. Remember that Peter walked on water. He did the impossible when he was able to see Jesus. But when he took his eyes off of the Lord and began focusing on his circumstances, he began to sink. So that says to us that whenever you are going through a very difficult season in your life, storms of adversity and tribulation are dashing against your boat, against your vessel, it is then time for you to look beyond the circumstance and find the savior, and realize that even in your valley, Jesus is there. Even in your storm, Jesus is there. Even in adversity and persecution, Jesus is there. He is the fourth man in your fire. So that was a very powerful installment, but it finishes in Revelation 3. Right now, we're taking off where we left off, and we get to Revelation chapter 4. And in Revelation chapter four, John uh, sees a door open in heaven, a door opened in heaven. And a voice says to him, come up higher, come up here, come up higher. That's my subject for today's message. Come up higher. I want you to look at your neighbor, whoever you are sharing this church in the house experience with right now and say, neighbor, come up higher. And if there's nobody around you, say it to yourself, say, it's time for me to come up higher. Because for the next few moments, I want to talk about the power of your ascension, the power of your ascension. And the fact that whenever we are about to go through tribulation or difficulty, adversity, there will always come an invitation from God to come up to a higher dimension so that you can see it, view it, and manage it from a higher place. Yes, God is calling us up higher. And it's important in this season that we come up higher... Because when we look at what is happening around us from the perspective of what is happening around us, it can only birth and breed anxiety, frustration, disillusionment, discouragement. We'll start feeling like we are uh, victims of, of forces that we cannot control, but God says, Don't look at it from that perspective. I want you to come up higher so you can see it from a higher perspective. Now, coming up higher is an important theme for believers today. Changing your perspective is an important theme for believers today. And taking your seat in the heavenlies, assuming the position that Christ purchased for you so that you can see your circumstance from the heavenly perspective, this is an important theme today. You know, I'm reminded of the second psalm. The second Psalm says, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings and the rulers of the world had set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, against the Lord and against his Christ. But then it says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. You know, as a young Christian, when I first read that psalm, I thought it meant that God who sits in the heavens will look at the conspiracies of men against his purposes and laugh. Until I begin to read the New Testament and I begin to understand that when Christ rose from the grave, we rose with him. When he ascended into the heavens, We ascended with him and he has made us to sit with him in heavenly places so that we are likewise while we are physically in the world. We are spiritually seated in heavenly places and the Bible says he who sits in the heavens will laugh and so that's us. That's us that understand our position and our privilege in Christ. We are sitting in heavenly places even though we are walking on the earth. We have dual citizenship. How many of you know that? We we have dual citizenship right now and we are quite amphibious in the sense that we live in two worlds at the same time. We live in a dimension called heaven and we operate in a dimension called earth And from that heavenly perspective, we can literally laugh at every conspiracy against our destiny. Now, this is not a comedy set right now, but I dare you to look at whatever the devil is trying to do in your life. Look at it from your heavenly position, from your invincible place, from your omnipotent place and just laugh and say, devil, you don't stand a chance. Whatever it is that is trying to block my blessing, whatever it is that's trying to prohibit my purpose, whatever it is that seeks to destroy my destiny, it doesn't stand a chance because I'm sitting in those heavenly places and I am looking at this from another perspective. This, my friends, is what faith looks like in adversity. It looks like someone physically going through, but psychologically in control. And I pray that that level of faith hits you right now. I pray that level of faith infuses your soul because we need it in this hour. Now, I wish I could tell you what shop you could go and buy it in. I wish I could, I I wish I could tell you where you could go and get that kind of faith. Uh, you know, and just kind of buy it or, or, or trade something for it, but that's not how it works. That kind of faith comes by, get ready for it, a personal revelation. That's right, revelation. Look at this, this great word again. The last book of the Bible is called the revelation. Why is it called the revelation? It's called the revelation because in the end times and as we approach the end of the age, It is more important that you can see through spiritual eyes than it is uh, that you have this or you have that uh, or, or to worry about what you don't have and who's not for you and who's with you. It's much more important that you see something. So the last book of the Bible is God saying, look, look, there's something I want you to see. I want you to see it until you know it because only as you see it and know it will you survive and thrive the tribulations, the turbulences of the end times. What is it ultimately that God wants you to see? Well, we dealt with this a little bit last week, but just allow me to to unpack it a little more this week. What is it that God wants you to see and know in your heart of hearts? He wants you to see the ultimate victory of Christ over all of his enemies. He wants you to see and know that there will be an ultimate triumph of good over evil. He wants you to know that every evil device, system, scheme, mechanism that has ever been created against humanity it will be defeated, dismantled, and destroyed by the power of the Lamb of God. He wants you to lose your fear of systems and structures that are set against you, whether they be political, whether they be economic, whether they be social, whether they be spiritual demons, whatever system that was set against you, whatever mechanism, whatever device, God says, I want you to see it being consumed, defeated, dismantled, and ultimately destroyed because of the victory of Jesus Christ and that in him, You are more than a conqueror. I wish somebody would shout an amen with me today because this is a revelation. It's an awakening. It's an understanding. It's an epiphany. No one can take it away from you once you get it, once you've got it, once you know in your heart of hearts that good will ultimately triumph over evil, that love will ultimately triumph over hate, that every enemy of Christ, including death itself, will be consumed and defeated. The Bible says he must reign until all of his enemies are under his feet. And you know, in the ancient world, when you put your foot on the neck of your enemy, it means that you have totally defeated that enemy and that enemy is at your complete control. The Bible teaches that Christ will put his foot on the head of the serpent and literally conquer all of his enemies. You have to see it. You have to know it because because the courage to continue comes from your your vision of of the end from the beginning. If you can see the end from the beginning... You will find the courage to continue. So that's why the last book in the Bible is about the end from the beginning. The voice said, John, come up higher. I want to show you the things that are going to come to pass hereafter. I want to show you some things because the level you've been living on, all you can see is political turmoil. Tyranny, persecution, affliction, lack, struggle. You, that's all you can see on the level that you're living. But John, come up higher because I want to show you some things that you can't see on that level. You have to get in the spirit so you can see on another level. That, my friends, is what is called revelation. When you get a revelation of God's purpose and of God's plan and of God's power, you are now viewing your life from another perspective and you're viewing the circumstance from another perspective. So, permit me to dive in even further. I never preach a long sermon, it's the introduction that takes all the time. And we're just about to conclude the introduction and start to go into this message. Come up higher. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now. And, and I even sense as, as I'm ministering uh, now that, that someone in, in some part of the world uh, is in dire need of this word now because when you look around you, it is so dark and it feels so impossible. And God wants you to know that it only looks and feels that way from your perspective. From a higher perspective, there is an opportunity in the crisis that that is bigger than anything you've ever known. From a higher perspective, that mountain is really a stepping stone. You know, from a higher perspective, this is just an opportunity for God to show off his glory. And so God is telling you to come up higher. Leave that lower, fleshy level of thinking on the ground and come up to a new way of of viewing and seeing your circumstance. Woo! Somebody shout glory. Now, I want you to notice the first thing that John sees when he comes up through the door of revelation into the heavenlies, the first thing he sees is a throne. It's not just a throne, it is the throne. He sees the throne of God. And there are a few Old Testament prophets that had the privilege of seeing the throne of God. Ezekiel is one of them. Isaiah is one of them. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on his throne, and his train filled the temple. I saw the seraphims. I saw the glory and the majesty of his reign, of his authority. Ezekiel describes the throne of God also. But John, when he was caught up When he ascended and went through the door, went to the higher level, the first thing he saw was the throne. Child of God, the first thing you need to see in your higher consciousness, in your elevated consciousness, in your revelatory consciousness is the throne of the living God. It's the first thing you need to see. Now, I'm not talking about seeing it with your imagination, but seeing it with your understanding. Because when John saw the throne, he suddenly realized that the Roman Empire is not in control, that the Caesars do not rule, that the procurators they do not rule, that the governors of the regions, they are not in charge. He suddenly realized that the people who imprisoned him in the Isle of Patmos, they are not in charge. When you see the throne, you are seeing the symbol of God's sovereignty. The symbol of his sovereignty. His sovereignty means that his word is final. It means that where his word is, there is power. It means that what he decides, it is done. And so when you see the throne, you realize that actually God is yet in control. It is the first revelation that you have to have before you go through tribulation, or if you're in a tribulation, you need a revelation of the sovereignty of God, that God is in control. He saw the throne, and he saw one sitting on the throne. And the one who was sitting on the throne was too beautiful to describe. He was too glorious to, to uh to to gaze upon. He was too bright. He was just magnificent. He was awesome. And he knew that God was reigning. And that he was reigning not just in the heavens. But that his reign uh, was in the earth. that, That his kingdom would eventually reign over all the earth. He could see it. And then a few more things happened. He saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. A scroll. Now, a scroll was a book. A scroll is a book. It was a book to the ancient world. They didn't do books like how we do books. They did scrolls on parchment or on leather. Uh, and he saw a scroll in his right hand. And the Bible said that it had writing on it outside and inside. It had writing on the outside. And on the inside, but it was sealed with seven seals. There were seven seals of a closed book, seven seals locking up the scroll. But locking up what specifically? Because the scroll has writing on the outside. But it also has writing on the inside. And because it's locked up, you can see what's on the outside, but you cannot see what's on the inside. I'm going to say that again. Because the scroll is locked up, you can see what's on the outside, but you cannot see what's on the inside because it's locked up. And there was weeping. There was weeping because no one was worthy to loose the seals and unveil the mystery of God that's on the inside of the scrolls. And then as you read on, a voice says, don't weep anymore because one is worthy to loose the seals and open the scroll. And that one is called the Lion of Judah. And he is called the Lamb of God. He is a lion and he's a lamb. Oh God, help me now. I was hoping that I would only be going for half an hour, but you all got me wound up. The Lamb, the Lion of Judah, these are all titles that properly belong to Christ. He is worthy. He is worthy because of his sinless life, because of his vicarious death, because of his glorious resurrection. He is worthy to unloose the seals on on this scroll and of course, unloosing the seals means that what, what was on the inside we can now read. We couldn't read what was inside. We could only see what was outside. Can I pause a minute to tell you that many people read the Bible, okay? Many people read the Bible, and very often what we are seeing is what's on the outside. We're seeing uh, the story. We're seeing the text. We're seeing the circumstance, the situation, but the word of God is line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, it's layered. And so, and so there's not just the Bible that we can read on the outside, but there's the revelation that's contained on the inside because see on the inside of this scroll was ultimately the how, oh my, let me, let me say it again, the how. On the outside is the what, but on the inside is the how. I'm going to say that again. On the outside is the what. What what will God do? What will the end be? Well, we know what the end will be. Now we know. We can read it. The end is that good triumphs over evil. The lamb triumphs over the beast. God gets what he intended to get when he made man in the first place. Uh, God's purposes are established. The devil is defeated, ends up in the lake of fire. We know what, but what we didn't know was how. How is God going to um, dismantle the, the systemic evils that have enslaved humanity? Uh since the fall of man. How is God going to wind it up? That was not clear. And let's be honest. Let's be real and let's be honest. Sometimes you know what God's gonna do in your life, you just don't know how. Like God, I, I know you're gonna bless me, I just don't know how. I know you're gonna deliver me, I just don't know how. I know that things are gonna be alright, but I just can't see how. That's your book it's closed. You can see what's written on the outside, but you can't see what's written on the inside. And someone has to loose those seals so you can begin to see that actually God's not just making fanciful promises to you. He has a plan for you that he's going to work out systematically until his promise is complete in your life. Someone say amen. All right. I want you to notice that every time a seal was loosed in heaven, a judgment fell on the earth. Woo! Every time a seal was loosed in heaven, a judgment fell on the earth. That's, the, that's what John began to see as he came up higher. He began to realize that there is a relationship between the spiritual realm and the physical world. There is a relationship between the heavenlies and the earth that actually... The, the, are responding to each other. They are reflecting each other. When you look at the earth, it is in some way reflecting something that's happening in the heavenlies. When you look at the heavenlies, you can see its reflection somewhere in the earth. And John began to realize that that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. That, that the, the forces of God are infinitely greater than the forces of men. And that when God is up to something, it reverberates in the earth. He began to see the reverberations of something that was happening in the throne. It was playing itself out in judgments that were falling on the earth. But they weren't just falling on the earth. Listen carefully. They were falling on the systems of the devil. You see, every time a seal was loose, and we get to see a little bit of the inside of the mind of God and the plan of God, every time this happened, a judgment fell on the kingdom of darkness, a judgment fell on the systems of of men, a judgment fell on the cage that has incarcerated humanity since the Garden of Eden, a judgment fell on it. And uh, do we have time to go through all the judgments? No, but let's, let's do this really fast. The first four seals release the four horsemen into the earth. The first four seals release the four horsemen into the earth. The first rider at first glance looks like Christ, but at second glance and with greater inspection is definitely an antichrist he's riding on a white horse but he doesn't have a two-hedged sword going out of his mouth he doesn't have the name on his thigh or on his vesture like the the king of kings does no instead he has a bow and he goes out conquering and to conquer he comes as a savior he says peace and safety he comes to to try to conquer politically the nations of the world but immediately following him is a red horse of war. Immediately following him, there is a black horse representing famine. Immediately following him, there is a pale horse representing death. And so this is a this is a prophetic way of saying that political greed, political greed always leads to war, which then leads to famine, which leads to death. And I don't think I need to prove that fact. I think a casual study of history will explain where recessions come from. A a casual study of history will explain what happens when political greed grips the imagination of a tyrant or a dictator. They go out conquering and to conquer they bring, they conquer through war and the war brings famine and the famine brings death. Well, that's, that's actually true for virtually every generation and in every location where greed has been allowed to conquer uh, and has gone about conquering. Well, we, we see these things Happening, And this is more of a description of why the world is the way that it is. It's more of a uh, description of, of what has happened to us as humanity. How greed has generated war. How war has gener- and strife has generated poverty. And how poverty has uh, generated premature death. That is the condition uh, of the world. But in your personal life, there are your own horsemen. There is the own analysis of how you got to where you are. But what we begin to see as the seals begin to open more and more, this just gets so fascinating as the seals begin to open. When we get to the fifth seal, all the prayers of all the saints are all being mixed together in a bowl. Oh my God, I wish I had time. You know, Uh, as the seals are being unleashed, we get a description of what has happened to us and why we are where we are. But when we get to that fifth seal, we start to see that every prayer that has ever been prayed to God for justice um, is actually stored up by God and is being mixed up to become one prayer. So when you're praying for justice and when you're praying for, uh, for The breakthrough and you're praying for the blessing. You are not praying by yourself. Oh, no. God is mixing my prayers with your prayers. He's mixing your your ancestors prayers with your prayers. He is literally mixing every prayer that has ever been prayed for justice. He says, I'm going to pour it out on a generation. Woo! And I tell you what I sense right now. I sense that we are the generation that is about to experience the answers to thousands and millions of prayers that have been prayed over thousands of years. Because they've been stored up by God and we are in that time now when we are seeing the systematic dismantling of the enemy systems and kingdoms. But see for you personally God will unite other prayers. And the, the power of the prayer shield around you is going to create a phenomenon. All right. Get ready for this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into this real quickly. Watch this. Revelation 7 verse 3. Let me read it out to you. Revelation 7 verse 3 it says, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Oh, hold on now. When we got to that sixth seal, there were judgments that were about to be released on the earth. But God said, wait, wait, wait. Do not hurt anything until we have sealed all of my servants. That's talking about divine protection. And I want you to know that there is a hedge round about you. The reason that you have survived, the reason that you are living, the reason that you are listening is because God has an invisible force field, a hedge around you that is protecting your destiny and purpose. And the only time it will ever be lifted is when you're assignment is completed your time is up and God will simply transition you and relocate you into that heavenly place but while you still have purpose and destiny in this world there is a force field a hedge of protection around you that no devil can penetrate no conspiracy can corrupt there is nothing the devil can do about your destiny and if you believe it you need to be screaming in your soul there is literally nothing The devil can do about your destiny. It is really in your hands. There's things you can do, but there's nothing the devil can do about your destiny. You know why? Because in the midst of this tribulation, you are sealed. You are sealed. Somebody said, Oh, Bishop, I need more scripture. I I, I see all the metaphors, I see all the prophetic picture language. So I'm just going to give you a few more scriptures. Before I pray with you right now, I want to tell you something that in every case where judgment wound up an age and created a new day. In every biblical case, because there have been many end times in the Bible, you know, the the flood of Noah was an end time. The the Passover uh, in Egypt was an end time. There are many end times in the Bible, the end of a time. And I want to say to you that we are in an end time. end of the of the age an end of the system and we're seeing it dismantle right now we're seeing it fall in so many ways uh, and yet there's also an end of a time for you perhaps it's been your time of struggle your time of tribulation your time of persecution your time of poverty and affliction i prophesy to you that that age will come to an end and a new day will dawn in your life But every time in the Bible that there is a judgment that collapses the old and introduces the new, there is always the protection and the provision from God for people of faith. We saw this in the day of Noah. In the day of Noah, God said, Noah, build an ark, build an ark of gopher wood, pitch it inside and out, get into the ark, bring the animals into the ark, Stay in the ark and you will find safety in the ark. Now, I want to tell you the ark was was not, I don't think the ark was a pleasant place to be. I don't think it looked nice. I don't think it smelled nice. I think it's very difficult to live in any enclosed space with a lot of animals. But this was Noah's experience and he was in that ark and no matter how difficult it was on the inside, it was infinitely better than anything on the outside. Woo! And so Noah was safe in that place that God had prepared for him and so he he saw the judgments on the world but the judgment did not consume him the flood came but it did not drown him the same happened in egypt on the night of the passover he said death will pass through this land and every firstborn is going to die but you to you that fear my name and to you that love my name he says you will put the blood of a lamb upon the doorposts and the lintels of your house and when i see the blood i will pass over you israel was protected in that situation and the truth is that god has ways of protecting you and preserving you and i want to pray for those of you right now who are going through your own great tribulation Uh, And I want to pray for you that you will begin to experience the protection of God, both protecting your mind, protecting your heart, protecting your life, protecting your livelihood and protecting your legacy and if you believe that God is able to protect you even in this global pandemic and even in the fallout that is economic and psychological that God is able to protect you then throw your hands up right now wherever you are lift your hand up to God and pray with me. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for every person with their hands lifted, every person under the hearing of this message. Because in these end times and in this tribulation, you have a plan for our protection. And I release that protection on the people of God now to protect our mind, our psychological and mental health. To protect our heart, our emotional health, to protect our physical health, to protect our lives, to protect our livelihoods and to protect our legacies. We want to thank you, Father, that you are a shield around about us, that you are our glory and the lifter up of our heads, that we will not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies in the day. Father, I thank you that a thousand will fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but the plague will not come nigh our dwelling. Father, we thank you that you are our strong tower and our mighty fortress, that our safety is in you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every one of us will come up higher right now and get a vision of the throne and realize that God is in control. That God has never lost control and that all things are working together for our good. And this we have prayed in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the people of God said amen and amen and amen well i did promise you we're going a little deeper you don't want to miss the next installment of the revelation god's strategy for victory i'll see you in the next church in the house experience you've been listening to a live sermon at icann community church We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.